Welcome back to Serial Bulls. Patrick, how are we feeling this morning? Amazing, Big. Um, 1980. It's been 21 years have passed since Vince Dooley finally led the Georgia Bulldogs to win a national title in the promised land. And, man, it was only fitting for Dooley to be in the house last night when Kirby Smart, Stenson Bennett, and arguably the best defense in college football history exercised some demons last night that plagued this Georgia Bulldog squad. I mean, this was uh, – it was a roller coaster. Um, man, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, the game was – it started slow, but it, it was close and it was exciting. Like, even though it was low scoring – it was still pretty exciting because both teams, I mean, Alabama and Georgia, was at least moving the ball, and the defenses were making plays to stop it. It wasn't just like two inept offenses really struggling or anything like that. Um, it, And then, I mean, it delivered. It was a great game. Like, obviously, the final score, Georgia won by 15, but that late pick six uh, made that. Like, it was a very close game the whole way through. It, yeah. It was- and we, we did pretty good predicting this one. Um yeah, um, we're pretty smart guys. Yeah, Handsome too. Who would have thought? Look at us. But it's like I mean, with um, on Georgia's side, uh, I, the way they won this game was their physicality. They completely mm-hmm. wore down Alabama in the fourth quarter. I mean, Nick Saban said in the post game when they shook hands, you can clearly hear him say, "You kicked our ass in the fourth quarter," and they definitely did. I mean, that defense wore down Bryce Young, that offensive line that struggled all year. Um, they they pressured forty four percent of Bryce Young's dropbacks and they got home a few times finally unlike the last SEC championship game. Um, yeah, you could clearly tell that Bryce Young was shook and he started making. I mean that last picky three was a like I don't think he was getting pressured hard in that play and it was just a very bad underthrown ball that sealed the game. That was that was just a bad that was a bad throw by him. Yeah. yeah, he really struggled. He wasn't able to kind of do all those crazy um that Houdini routine in the SEC championship game. He was really struggling um to get his feet set. For a while Alabama was really hitting that quick passing game. Yeah. Yeah. First half. And I think that was they're getting a lot of success with that. Georgia was really struggling. But once they got down into the red zone where Georgia didn't have to respect that deep there as much and they could come up a little bit, like they yeah. couldn't get it done. Yeah, I mean, that's that's credit to Georgia's defense because uh, one thing that I, I highlighted was they need to mitigate the big playability from Bryce Young. And they pretty much did. I mean, there were, there were two passes that like were kind of big plays. That one 40-yard pass that injured Jameson Williams um, and that 61 pass to uh, Cameron Ladu. Yeah. Um, you know, normally those big plays will spark an Alabama offense, but both those both those drives resulted in the field goals when they're in the red zone. Um, so, I mean, that's a huge – I mean, the defense held strong throughout in this game for uh, Georgia. Um, I mean, they, they put him in a position that, I mean, uh, Nick Saban has never seen before. Like, this was uncharted territory loss for the role of the Tide. Yeah, they uh, they just couldn't – they just didn't really have any answers. And much like in Atlanta, this time Georgia was the one who was getting the big plays when they needed it. I mean, even early on, it didn't turn into anything. But Stetson Bennett tried to do a the most awkward juke I've ever seen, and they just dropped the ball. Yeah. He was able to fall right back onto it. Um, and then they were busting those big plays, whether it was that, that huge cook run. Um, that opened it up from yeah. right there. Like, it, it, I think it was 6-9. Uh, nice. Um, during this 
uh, at this point. And then James Cook in the second half had that 67-yard rush that just something clicked where the offense was finally make some big plays, um, which set up a touchdown for, uh, uh, I think, um, Kenny McIntosh. Yeah. Uh, Pickens uh, was did extend the field a little bit with his deep play threat. Um, and then after Georgia stopped getting so many fucking penalties. Yeah, that was they bad. Really, they really got their, their head on straight and started playing well. Yeah, they, they had 10 penalties or 70 yards. Um, I mean, that first half. And they, so many of them were stupid. Yeah. Um, we can talk about it another time. I would say like a handful of those penalties are pretty bad on the officiating part. But uh, there were a lot of dumb penalties that Georgia was giving up to. And it it would always put them behind the sticks on drives. It was always on first down. It was insane. And so they were averaging third and 10 at one point. Yeah. On third down, which is ridiculous. And the fact that they were able to, you know, keep it close uh, says a lot. And I think like uh, on offensively, other than penalties, a lot of, I think a lot of people owe, including myself, Stetson Bennett, the fourth on apology or, uh, he shut everybody up, man. He yeah, I'd, I'd actually like to um, run through a few text messages here um, from the game, from yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, awful sack. Taylor Heineke, piece of shit. There it is. Get him out of here. He can't do it. Uh, that was the first drive. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the coach now. Um, <laughs> this is unbelievable. Um. Boy, it's, I mean, it was really a roller coaster in the group chat, as you can expect. Um, it was everything I wanted. We got the full Stetson Bennett experience last night. He was yeah. bad in the first half, like pretty much just flat out. Um, he, I mean, obviously he had to because Will Anderson was one jumping the snap count every time. He yeah, was he's perfectly, and two. Like he's like you said yesterday, he's the best player in college football this year. Yeah, probably top five, top three, maybe even top overall pick next year in the draft. Um, and he was killing Stetson Bennett. He was living in his in his head, um, especially in that first half because Bennett would have a clock in his head, be one, two, and then he'd run out of the pocket, and he just wasn't able to make those throws on the run. Um, right. He settled down in the second half, and then he. Um, as you said here, Bennett is going to need to step the fuck up if Georgia wants to take this home. Um, and then he statistically rates poor trailing in the second half, but fuck it, anything can happen. So I guess you did call it. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, that fourth quarter, man, uh, I-, I will say, like, you know, we were talking about how Sets and Bennett can't turn the ball over, he can't play from behind. And, he, I mean, technically he did, but it wasn't by a lot. And... It was bad in that first half, going to the third quarter, a little bit in the third quarter, and then we were all waiting for that do of that mm-hmm. dumb Bennett turnover, and it happened with that sack fumble with the absolute fluke recovery by Alabama, and that's when you know I'm sitting there like it's like 11:30 at night, and like I'm going to bed. Like I've seen this story so many times, I know what's going to happen. This is the classic Georgia sports team meltdown. Here it comes. Yeah, and then the fourth quarter came, and. Sanson Bennett delivered. I mean, two touchdowns, a 40-yard bomb to Donnie Mitchell that he, Mitchell just mossed the defensive back for Alabama. Yeah, that catch was insane. Yeah. And uh, a 50-yard 
that was a super head play by Bennett because Bama jumped off sides on that. Yeah. Play. It was a free fun. play. So he just yeah. took it and chucked it deep. Um, and it obviously worked out very well for them. But that's another, that's the, we got the good sets in Bennett, especially in the second half. Yeah. Eddie, it was that, it was that fifth year mentality. He was making plays. Um, you know, and, and I think that was a perfect example because he could, he can sling that thing. He isn't just some, um, you know, cerebral game manager. He can throw it deep. Yeah. I mean, he, that, that first half pass, uh, the 61, was it 61 yards? Uh, it might have been less than that. The, the George Pickens, it was 51, 51 yards. Yeah. That was Pickens' only catch. Um, that was a great throw, a great throw and catch in the first half. Um, uh-huh. So he can definitely, definitely can sling it. And, like, uh, I mean, this kid has, like, had this odd stacked against him all throughout his career at Georgia. Uh, I mean, this could be one of the greatest stories in college football of late. Um, I mean, this dude had, a, like, a five-, six-year journey from walk-on to Juco player to getting a scholarship to come back to be the backup and eventually the starter. I mean, a lot of people thought he couldn't win the big one, including myself, and because, you know, he would crumble every time he faced a formidable opponent, but – Mm-hmm. Man, I I tell you what, you could see when Keely uh, Ringo made that pick six to steal the game at the end. You could see the weight off his shoulders, you know, with a clearly emotional Bennett on the sideline. Yeah, like you said, that was really cool to see, and, and, and we don't really get stories like this anymore because normally it's all these future first round draft picks, five stars, uh, their whole life leading these teams in these moments. Um, we don't see that scrappy walk on, you know, winning a national championship. That doesn't happen in modern college football. And it might not ever happen again, um, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it was really cool to enjoy that portion of it um, outside of the game being awesome. Um, yeah. I, I really appreciated him saying after the game, too. Um, uh, and I quote, I wasn't going to be the reason we lost this game. And he took that to heart in the fourth quarter. He, he moved on from that uh, fluke sack fumble and was able to deliver and it's great you know also like as speaking of walk-ons i don't know if you um, remember from that highlight the keely ringo if you watch it that pick six you see uh, a number 47 his name escapes me on defense um -hmm. to take a uh, take a monster hit yeah he got just to seal that uh uh touchdown that dude's a walk-on too so yeah. walk-ons matter on all aspects of college football, in my opinion. Yeah, I remember watching that. He got run over so bad. Like, yeah, but he, I mean, he, intent, I'm taking the hit. I'm making sure he's getting in. He got to. All right, yeah. I'm, on, I'm on the roster page now. His name is Dan Jackson. Dan Jackson, that's right. Redshirt sophomore from Gainesville, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at that. And, I mean, overall, man, like I said it, there's something in the air in Indianapolis. There's something happening. Um, uh, that stadium was 80% Georgia fans, I think. Um, yeah. There was a just – it was just – it was uh, destiny. I mean, there were legends that were there. Um, you know, legendary linebacker Roquan Smith, DeAndre Swift was there, Nick Chubb was there, former quarterback Aaron Murray was there. I mean, hell, Mark Rick was there, a guy who got fired mm-hmm. for not getting the job done. Um, so there, there was like just a lot of relief in that stadium. And it was really cool to see all these guys, you know, this team was able to finally get it done for all the previous stars and players that should have gotten done. That could have gotten, couldn't have got it done. Um, it was really cool to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So just congrats again to the dogs. 
Um, and again, I just really want to shout out the dogs for their – they were hitting last night. Them boys were hitting, hitting. Yeah, that defense, man, <laughs> that was – I don't think we're going to see a defense like that for a while. Yeah, they they seem to do more than – I mean, there was great defenses, um, obviously, all over the country and all throughout, you know, the years. But I don't think I've ever seen a defense that relishes contact quite like Georgia did. Yeah. They – like, uh, I think it was Lewis Seen or is it Sign? He crushed a guy. I think it was Robinson on on the like yeah. a sweet play. He hit him so hard. Yeah, and I was like, "All right, that's that's what I'm talking about right there." Yeah, he I mean, he talked about it this morning, I think, or uh, he said his, he's he's sore as hell. He's feeling it, mm-hmm. and he was laying the wood for sure. Like he had a lot of really touchdown saving tackles too, big hits. Yeah, and obviously Alabama on the Alabama side. Um, it obviously really sucks that Jameson Williams went down with that. Yeah. Um, as of it's seven o'clock right now on the East coast here. And uh, 10 minutes ago, Adam Schefter just tweeted that that is a torn ACL. Um, and he was supposed to come into the draft this year. We'll see what happens with that. Doctors expect him to make full recovery. Obviously we are rooting for that, um, but that really changed the tenor of the game. Uh, those guys who came in for Alabama, um, Hall and <clears throat> Holden, just didn't quite have that ability to make a play like Williams would have made. Or yeah. Matthew, obviously. They, they definitely missed him there in that game. Um, it could have been a different outcome if he kept playing because, you know, Jameson Williams was getting open a lot. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Alabama was still able to hang tough without him. Um uh, yeah. it, it could it could be a different story. Who knows? But um, it, they definitely miss him for sure. Yeah. Um, so I mean, great game, great season, a plus. Um, we got a new champion for the first time um, in a long time. Uh, not, I guess they're not brand new, but you know, forty five years or whatever feels pretty new to me. Yeah. We had a lot of fun upsets. We had a group of five team in, in the playoff. Um, even though this was a rematch, I still really enjoyed watching it. Um, you know, we didn't quite have uh, maybe like the most insane upsets of all time this year. There's no App State Michigan, but other than that, A plus, no notes. Great season. Yeah, I mean, this is a, I, mean I, I thought it was probably one of the better seasons in a while. There, there are. I know yeah. there wasn't any major upsets, but there was just a boatload of upsets throughout the year. Um, and, and the playoff wasn't Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Yeah. We we, uh, we had some shake up there. Hell, Oklahoma State finally beat Oklahoma. I feel like that right there. Often, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Michigan beat Ohio State. Um, you know, two those two things have not happened in about a decade. Um, certainly not in the same year. So, right. yeah. It was really nice to see overall. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That it's over. Um, so I guess we just have to look ahead to next year here. Stuart Mandel has released his er- t- way too early top 25 for next year. Um, and the dogs are coming in at number three. Yeah, it um, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they, they have a lot of, they have a lot of serious turnover on this defense coming. I mean, Dan Lenning, their defensive coordinator is gone. Uh, yeah. He's now the head coach of the Oregon Ducks. Um, they're going to miss Jordan Davis, Channing Tittle, um, Nicobe Dean. They're going to be missing a lot of their front seven. And uh, already some cornerbacks are transferring. Amir Smart just transferred this afternoon um, or into the portal. 
So it's going to be I, – I, I see that. Uh, but, you know, uh, Kirby Smart's been drafting five-star kids across the board. So next man up. Yeah. Do you think Bennett's going to come back and play again? I don't know. Uh, he, I read an article where he has already made his decision. He and Kirby Smart know what it's going to be, um, and he's not going to release it at this time. So I don't know. I, it would make sense if he didn't come back, in my opinion, because he got his storybook ending. Yeah. Um, he's a, I mean, there's, he's a legend. He won the title for us. Uh, or really helped. Um, I don't – he's got a year of eligibility left because of the COVID rule. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I think he might not come back. I think he's just going to call it, open up yeah. a, a, a used car dealership in Athens, Georgia, and make bank. Yeah, I mean, I think he could – he might be able to hold a clipboard of the NFL for a year or two. Yeah. I mean, if he and Buck can, um, shit. Uh, all right, so elsewhere in this way to early top 25, we got Alabama number one, obviously. Bryce Young and Will Anderson are back. I think that's all you really need to say right there. Yeah, they're going to be hungry. I think uh, Nick Saban's really – you could tell after the game, like he was smiling a little bit because I think he's like finally got – like finally I got like a a good opponent to prep he's, against. And it's also a guy who I really admire. Um, yeah. So that, that, that Alabama's definitely come back hungrier next year for sure. Yeah, he had kids like I mean that Dallas Turner kid last night was everywhere, um, and then they're getting Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. So yeah, obviously Alabama, and then obviously Ohio State. They get C.J. Stroud back. He was a Heisman finalist. Um, we saw Jackson Smith and Jigba in the Rose Bowl. Uh, so I'm not worried about them whatsoever. No, absolutely not. Uh, yeah. Plus, you got Marvin Harrison Jr., Travion Henderson uh, on defense. You got some questions, obviously, with a new coordinator. And some guys, I mean, I don't think Ohio State quite had the horses on defense that they normally do. But, right, you know, like you said about Alabama and Georgia, they have a million five stars. So, like, it, who cares? Um, they'll be fine. He has Utah number four, which is, is nice. But uh, they bring Utah back. Utah is number ton. four? Yeah, they bring back a ton, which is, oh, I mean, okay. I, I get it. But I'm not so sure. Number five, your Notre Dame fighting Irish. Got to break in a new quarterback. First year head coach in Marcus Freeman. I love the guy, but well, I mean, Notre Dame kind of blew it in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, I'm saying the losing Kyron Williams, maybe not number five, but we'll see. And then closing out the top 10, AM, Michigan, Clemson, NC State, sure, and Michigan State. So, um, something to keep an eye on with the transfer portal, with everything else that's going on. And there still could be coaching turnover. Um, as we move into the news portion of this right now, um, we'll, I'll start with the coaching room because I was just talking about that. There is some hot college coach the NFL gossip. Um, there was Jim Harbaugh rumors. I think that was mainly contract extension uh, leverage, but that's what I thought the Brian Kelly to LSU stuff was as well. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Day has been rumored for or the Bears job, mm. other NFL jobs forever. And now a new one we're seeing is Lane Kiffin possibly to the Minnesota Vikings. The Lane train. What do you make of all these college coaches potentially jumping up? Hubbub. It's all hubbub. Yeah. They're all, they're all, there's no, there's no chance that uh, the only one that would, I think has a smidge of traction is maybe Lane Kiffin because Lane Kiffin's been rumored for many jobs this offseason. I mean, he did just get an extension. So, 
Jim Harbaugh, he ain't leaving. Um, I personally think if he would to leave, if he were to leave, I think he would take the Chicago Bears job because he has history in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he saw how close he was to the title. That I think he knows there's unfinished business in Michigan and um, yeah, in Ann Arbor, and I don't see him leaving yet. Uh, and I personally like with what happened in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. I, I think a lot of NFL teams and even college coaches are going to be hesitant to take NFL jobs for a little bit, but I could be completely wrong. It's just the way that a legendary, whatever, whatever you want to call him, Urban Meyer college football coach handled the, the, you know, the rigorous coaching stress of an NFL coach and how bad that turned out. Just, I don't, I think a lot of teams are going to be turned off going that route. Yeah, I think honestly more than Urban Meyer because he's a bozo. Like he's just a fucking yeah. moron. Um, I think the bigger indictment is Matt Rule, who is he's a mess. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing in Carolina. Yeah, he it got seems... grilled for uh, signing Sam Darnold's fifth year option. Yeah, um, but that being said, Arizona is in the playoffs right now with Cliff Kingsbury, who was um, you know a middling college coach. Yeah. Um, because the, the thing this drives me fucking nuts about NFL writers, they're like, wow, a guy can't win at Texas Tech and he can win in the NFL. It's like, yeah, because uh, recruiting is part of college football as well. Yeah. And I don't see Texas Tech in the top 10, the 247. Yeah. Um, anyway, but so I, I maybe they're less hesitant than they were before. Um, but I think it's got to be someone who had, I think that's why Kiffin makes sense because he is such a dynamic play caller and offensive minds that that would be more attractive to teams than someone like Harbaugh or Day, who's more of a um, – they know how to run a program. I, yeah. You don't yeah. need a program in the NFL. It's different. Yes. So that, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, and the hot rumor for a while was that the person who was going to be making this jump was going to be Lincoln Riley, who is obviously now at USC. Yeah. All the tea leaves are now pointing, all the smoke signals – all the vibes, you know, it's out in L.A., so it's all about the vibe. My point to Caleb Williams is leaving Oklahoma and going to USC, following Lincoln Riley um, to really jumpstart that offense. Um, do you actually think he's going to go? Yeah, there, I do. There's been a lot of rumors about it. I am following on the path of uh, – I, I can't remember who um, did like a clever video of – most of these college quarterbacks that are transferring are following their significant other girlfriends of what schools they go to. And so I've seen some people say that Caleb Williams, his girlfriend currently plays soccer at UNC. Okay. So some people are saying that Caleb Williams, they're going to follow that route. Like, Oh yeah, they're going to fall. Go to the girlfriend theory. He's going to go to UNC. Um, I like that. And I think it could work, you know, following in Sam Howell's footsteps. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that makes sense, but I honestly, the biggest signal for me is that current USC starting quarterback, Jackson Dart entered the transfer portal. Right. Yeah. And so I think clearly he's young, he should be super excited. And if he didn't, if he wasn't excited about Lincoln Riley, he would have transferred out before Yeah, but doing it now makes me think that something's coming. Um, so I, I that's that where I think sense. he'll end up. Um, that's, and, that's definitely the rational theory. Yeah. I'm going to go with my tinfoil hat theory, but I like it. I really do. Yeah. The, the, I, I can 
both those USC quarterbacks transferred out, that definitely is signaling something's happening. Yeah. Former USC offensive coordinator Graham Harrell is taking the OC job at West Virginia. Um, this is a little bit of an under-the-radar move, but I really like this for the Mountaineers. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good um, hiring because um, that offense was very hot and cold. Um, and this guy, uh, Graham Harrell, is kind of like a proven, you know, a young guy who can, you know, inject some youth into that coaching staff and probably get a good outcome for that offense going forward. Yeah, and if you watched them last year, it's not that they don't have the guys and they're not like – because sometimes you watch these teams who can't score. Right. And, and you're just like, all right, they just don't quite have it here. Um, they, don't, they don't have the Jimmys and the Joes. Um, but that's not the case here. They just need those – the Jimmys and the Joes need those X's and O's. Um, and I, I think Harold can do that. Um, USC obviously didn't do amazing um, when he was there, but I think there are a lot of other things going on. Um, plus, once he left North Texas, that offense went directly into the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he'd be pretty good. Last year, Western, yeah, here we go. 25.2 points a game. That's not going to cut it. We get that ticking up to more towards 30. I think that makes a big difference for them. Yeah, especially in the Big 12. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's want those high-powered offenses. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you look, you look at their losses, Texas Tech, they only scored 20 points, Maryland, they only scored 24, um, Oklahoma, they only scored 13, Kansas State, they only scored 17, and then against Minnesota in the bowl game, they only scored six, so I don't think, he doesn't have to turn them into prime Ohio State or whatever, um, or even Steve Slade and Pat White, West Virginia, just, just get them a little, just get the card in second gear a little bit. Yeah. All right, that's it for news. Um, I don't think anything – there's no late-breaking transfers or anything like that. Um, I, I think all is quiet for right now, which means in the next 10 minutes, one of those guys will take an NFL job. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to listener questions. Um, let's bounce off the title game here. Our friend Tyler asks, where does this Georgia defense rank all time? Uh, I got to look at more stats – um, cause I know for a majority of the year, I think I did, I haven't checked since the SC championship game, the Georgia defense ranked statistically and how I guess drive stoppage and the amount of drives they had, the amount of points they allowed, they ranked as the best ever, um, better than the 2017 Alabama defense. Mm-hmm. Um, they were blowing that defense out of the water. Uh, I haven't checked it since the SEC championship game. So, because I mean, they got their ass kicked in that one. Um, but I do, I think it's probably top two best defense of all time. Um, if not the best, like that's a defense we will never see for a while. There were so many just – you watched every game of the season. They, like, they had so many shutouts. No one could get any points on them. They were, they were suffocating all over the board. It's just, it was a really fun defense to watch. Yeah, and it might be recency bias, but I acknowledge that. Yeah, they're the greatest ever. Hell, yeah. That's right. So, yeah, in, until the next team comes along, I don't think you can – I mean, the, the level of talent on, on the defense – coupled with the scheme, coupled with the results. Um, it's really hard for me to see a better defense, and I think that will be reflected in, in the draft in the spring. Yeah. Um, another dog's question uh, for you. What is the first piece of championship merch you're buying, Patrick? 
I've been thinking about that. I don't. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to a nice website that I think a lot of uh, listeners should check out if they want some college football gear. Um, Home Field Apparel. Um, mm-hmm. They have released uh, Georgia. They, their their whole uh, niche and style is recreating classic college football mascot and old slogans and throwing on t-shirts, uh, nicely made t-shirts. Um, they released one for Georgia's championship win. Um, I might buy one. Um, it looks nice. Uh, I've been haven't bought a football jersey in a good while. I think the last football jersey I have bought was a Ryan Kerrigan jersey for the Washington football team like six years ago. Yeah, I think I might uh, go the DH gate route, which is you know Chinese made, like get like a, a nice James Cook jersey for like fifteen bucks. Yeah, it'll probably take like two months to get here, but um, I, I've been looking around. I, I'm gonna be really particular about it, but probably t-shirt or jersey. I mean, I like that because by the time it hits, it'll be time for the spring game. Yeah. So yeah. It, it'll be perfect. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking at the home field website now. I love the – I think the golfing bulldog is is the real key here. Yeah, uh, just saying, ever since they released that shirt, Georgia won a national title. Credit that shirt maybe? That's extremely true. I hadn't thought about it like that. Oh. Okay, our last question here comes – oh, that question was from our friend Nick. Um, here's our last question. It's from Michael. He asks, what's been the biggest surprise of the transfer portal so far? Definitely all the quarterbacks. Yeah. For me specifically, it's been, it's how the sec West quarterbacks were just sort of playing musical chairs. Yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really see that coming. Um, Calzada is at Auburn. Um, what is it? Finley is at, I'm actually confused in, in, (laughs) in the uh how it's all gone here but yeah bonix went to oregon and that's kind of what started it um and then we had as i scroll yeah okay zach calzada went from texas a&m to auburn and then uh max johnson went from lsu to texas a&m and then um oh and then spencer rattler went from oklahoma to south carolina yeah so the SEC quarterback, like musical chairs, has been very interesting. Um, and but yeah, like you said, the quarterbacks, like because we used to we we were used to the coaching carousel, and now we have the quarterback carousel too. Yeah, I mean, in so many teams like Oklahoma and um, USC, like like you said, both their like their starter and backup transferred. Yeah, Kadon Slovis gone and went to Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. And then Jackson Dart just won the transfer portal. And then, of course, in Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. So both those teams are basically started from scratch there. Yeah. Um, it's just been wild. Like I don't think I've seen as many quarterbacks transfer in a long time. And yeah. I think that's partly due to the just the more lenient transfer portal rule. Yeah. And then at Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel from UCF was going to UCLA, had announced it, and then Caleb Williams left. And then that day, Dylan Gabriel was like, yeah, actually, I'm going to uh, Ohio State. Or Oklahoma. Yeah. I, yeah, the quarterback movement's been crazy. Um, I do want to give a special shout-out to safety Brandon Joseph, All-American from Northwestern, transferring to Notre Dame. That's why we like to fucking. That's right. Probably I was, you know, obviously I was looking ahead a little bit. Um, so I was like, man, let me, let me pull up the Notre Dame schedule next year. First game of the year, Ohio State. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough one. 
Um, and then on top of um, we're talking about Dan Lenny going to Oregon. The the first game for Georgia uh, next fall is Oregon. Uh, so that'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's kind of the playoff effect, and maybe they thought there'd be expansion by now, but the level of out of conference scheduling um, is really uh, impressive. Um, it used to just be like no one would play anyone, but now I mean we've got a ton of good games. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Obviously, top of the list, VMI Wake Forest. Huge on September 1st. VMI Wake Forest. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's like uh, Arizona scheduling North Dakota State University, Division mm. Two national title champions. What are you doing, Arizona? What yeah. are you doing? Huge mistake. Um, yeah. But do you know what the first game of the season is going to be next year? Um, yes, actually. It is going to be. Uh, well, there's actually a decent amount. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games um, on August 27th, which is 228 days from right now. It is right around the corner, folks. Start right around the corner. Yeah, we've got <clears throat> we've got Vandy, Hawaii, Nevada, New Mexico State, Austin P, Western Kentucky, oh, Yukon, Utah State. Wow. Mm. And uh, the, the, I think that the first one of the season is going to be an awful matchup. I think uh, it's Northwestern and yep. Nebraska in yep. Ireland. It like, sure is. All righty then. What did the Irish ever do to us to, to drop that on them? That's that's awful. That's, Scott Frost, baby. Mm, yeah. Getting embarrassed internationally. It's going to be great. Yeah. I think, do you think if they lose, they'll just leave them over there? Yeah. Yeah. They'll just, you know, mistakenly misplace his passport and also might put a dead body in the trunk of his car. Yeah, they're just going to say they, they heard a suitcase ticking and he's just going to be sitting in an in Interpol uh, holding cell for quite a while. Yeah. All right, everyone. That is wraps up our uh, his last show of the season. Um, I think it was a pretty good first season overall. Um, I kind of can't believe it's over. And now we have to sit and stare at the offseason for – 228 days, maybe 227 by the time you hear this. Um, yeah. Well, at least we get a couple more weeks of uh, B-League football, a.k.a. the NFL. Um, yeah. So that, that's like a good 30 more days of football. But then after, yeah, after that, it's just the wasteland of – we go into hibernation, basically. Yeah. Once we're done here, we just go into hibernation and we'll come out what mid-august yeah ready to go ready to um we'll be back i think next week week after with our first interview with um former hampton city wide receiver nick almonds um if you have any questions to ask a former division three wide receiver send them our way and we'll make sure we ask them that